0: I can't wait one more day Can't find one more word to say So I'll just get on my way I'm coming home CEO, I think The CEO? Um uh, Probably, yeah I CEO. thought of
1: him kind of like uh who's the who's the guy at the desk of heaven the
0: oh, St Peter St
1: Peter yeah yeah
0: but but, for pur- but everyone gets into purgatory there's right. no need for a guy like that
1: I guess that's true yeah
0: yeah if you don't get into heaven or hell it's purgatory so they probably have like a lot of stuff going on there yeah purgatory looks like a, it looks like a, like a ski lodge right yeah yeah
1: it was uh I think that like it was a really cool location though.
0: Was it someone's like house? Like, like yeah,
1: kid? it was. Uh, it was actually it used to be an apple packing plant. Oh, and uh, we'll we'll get into that. I did a little bit of research. We'll talk about that.
0: Fantastic.
1: So, welcome everybody to this week's edition of the Raincoat Report. I'm Boss here with Jeremy.
0: Hey, what's up?
1: And uh, we're here again to talk to you guys about some sleazy, sleazy stuff. Oh.
0: Yes, yes we are. <laughs> this mic's in my face, it's new to me, I have to adjust. It's,
1: it's going to be okay.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be alright.
1: Uh, it's going to be better for the, for the audio, I think. It, it already, it, it sounds better in my headphones, so that's got to mean something.
0: Okay, yeah, I'll accept it. The audience will appreciate it.
1: The audience will be the ultimate judge, jury, and executioner. Oh, no. So, speaking of the audience, uh, I want to start by doing a little uh, housekeeping. Uh, I guess housekeeping is a terrible term. Are you firing me? Uh, Jeremy, you've been uh, very helpful along the way, but I feel like you and I are going in different directions. That's fair. Uh, No, uh, I wanted to start by going through our stuff so uh if you like our show follow us on social media raincoat report on twitter raincoat report on instagram if you need to contact us have questions want to give us sponsorships you know whatever you want to do uh reach out to us at raincoat report at gmail.com um our podcasts are online on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and I think as of today, which is going to be a couple weeks before you even hear this, but we are finally up on Apple Podcasts. So, oh, good. So now we've got our discoverability at an all-time high, and uh,
0: just come find us.
1: Just come find us and subscribe to us and tell all of your sleazy friends about us. Oh, yeah. And, uh, the more that you guys, uh, listen to us, the more we can afford to, like, get better equipment and start to, uh, sound better, uh, have less technical fuck-ups than we've had so far. Yeah.
0: We won't have to record in a kitchen.
1: Uh, we'll probably be recording in a kitchen for a while.
0: Well, we'll be able to buy, like, uh, some of that soundproofing mat and put it up, so if, uh...
1: Yeah, we'll soundproof she, my kitchen.
0: Yeah, if she wants to cook, she can cook, and you won't just hear a bunch of dishes clattering. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, uh, I'd like to thank everybody who has been listening to us. Um, it's nice to uh, finally be at the point where we're recording after we're
0: uh, live. After yeah. we're live. Uh, we're not live.
1: We're, we're at the point now where we can look at listenership numbers and see that people are listening to us, so that's nice. Uh, we recorded a few episodes before we had launched the podcast, so before we couldn't talk to that. But uh, you guys are listening, and we appreciate that, and thank you for uh, supporting us.
0: Thank you for your continued support, my loyal base of perverts.
1: Yes. So this week we get to talk about one of the... Uh, cornerstones of the golden age of pornography one of the most historically significant films of the classic era of pornography we get to talk about the devil and miss jones by gerard damiano and uh it's going to be a treat
0: yeah it's um it's not what you would think it would be based on the title the devil never shows up
1: i mean that's that's a valid point
0: yeah but we'll get into that later
1: yeah, we'll get into all that.
0: Sorry to spoil it. We really spoiled it.
1: Uh, uh,
0: it's a it's a very it's an interesting film. There's a lot going on, and um, I know it was involved in some early anti obscenity cases. A lot of people got arrested for showing this film. Uh, distributors, audience members, uh, pretty much anyone who saw it at one point was probably. Picked up by the cops.
1: Yes, and beaten about the head.
0: Yeah, um, but they threw all that out because uh, the First Amendment, I guess, ultimately triumphed.
1: More or less. So let's take a step back and talk a little bit about the director, Gerard Damiano. So Gerard Damiano is perhaps most notable for directing Deep Throat. Uh, Deep Throat is more or less given credit for launching the Golden Age of Pornography, um, it was not the first feature-length pornographic film. It wasn't the first porn film with the storyline, but it did happen to be the one that really caught on. Um, released in 1972, it became a hit. It had been played not only in these skeezy theaters that had been playing these more crude productions, but also had some mainstream success uh, in New York and across the country. Um, As Jeremy hinted at, Deep Throat uh, had a lot of trouble with uh, different prosecutions and raids and such uh, where theater exhibitors got in trouble, distributors got in trouble, the people who made the film and who were in the film got in trouble. Um, But the year following Deep Throat is when we get to see the release of Gerard Damiano's second film, which is our topic today, The Devil and Miss Jones. Whereas Deep Throat was a pretty straightforward film in a lot of ways. It's a it's a comedy film. It's under an hour long. It's got a storyline that goes through it, but there's not really much depth to it and it's somewhat it's fairly competently made, but Mm -hmm. there's not too much depth to it. The Devil and Miss Jones takes everything to the next level. And while I wouldn't call it the best film of the era, I would say that it is a real evolution when you consider the time frame that it was released in. Not only is The Devil and Miss Jones a pretty well-made film from top to bottom Mm -hmm. with good uh, cinematography, the music is out of this world, um, and there's a lot of... Uh, thematic things working in the background that kind of tie together and ultimately make a lot of sense Um, it if you compare it to a lot of its contemporary productions it really is on another level now as we get years down the line if you compare it to things made later in the 70s and some of the things in the early 80s you might be able to show some criticism towards it but I think that if you follow the trajectory of Gerard Damiano's career, you'll see that along the way, he's been ahead of the curve in a lot of cases, and his uh, filmmaking definitely evolves along the way. Um, The Devil and Miss Jones is pretty significant in a lot of ways. Um, After the success of Deep Throat, Gerard Damiano... Found himself in a rough situation. Uh, his original film, Deep Throat, had been financed by some shady characters who were likely tied into the world of organized crime. He was originally given a share of the film. I don't remember if it was a third or a half of the uh, of the you know total proceeds, yeah. but um, he at some point was. Uh, given an offer he couldn't refuse we'll say Mm -hmm. uh, and bought out of his portion of the film wait Um, is that the mob yes
0: okay good yes yeah if you're slow like me on the uptake yeah
1: yes that's so uh the the mob who had financed the film decided to buy him out Perhaps by force. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are different accounts of the story. Some say that he legitimately had a gun pulled on him and oh. other stuff. But so basically, he was given a flat break. His thumb. Perhaps.
0: Oh damn. I don't that's, know. That's not cheap.
1: <laughs> have you uh, have you ever had your thumb broken?
0: No, but I can imagine. Everything costs so much money.
1: Yeah, the the world's a scary place, especially yeah. when your thumb gets broken.
0: Yeah, but mobsters who want to buy out your porn film.
1: So they bought him out, and Deep Throat would go on to be one of the most uh, successful films as far as like profit marg- margins concerned.
0: Yeah, uh,
1: because it had a very very low cost and made a ton of money touring the country. Um, for his second film, Gerard decided that he was going to get involved with some more legitimate finance financiers.
0: Probably a good idea in the long run. You only got two thumbs.
1: You would think so. Huh. Uh, but things didn't quite work out the way that oh, uh, Damiano had wanted to. So, oh, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So while he didn't actually get, uh, you know, threatened and have a gun pulled on him or anything like that... Um, he had a lot of trouble getting money back on it. So Deep Throat had been produced for $25,000 and Devil and Miss Jones was produced for $33,000. Mm-hmm. That's what financing he was able to get. Um, on the commentary track for the Devil and Miss Jones, Damiano mentioned how uh, the first three seconds of Vertigo had cost Alfred Hitchcock $50,000. So mm-hmm. to give you... a uh, perspective on the financing there you know damiano is working with a shoestring budget in comparison to these bigger productions
0: oh yeah 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 yeah.
1: but uh what he's able to pull off here is really quite impressive when you consider all of that
0: yeah i think knowing a lot of that that helps um add to the enjoyment of it because it's uh, a it's definitely more like a small scale film than i thought it was going to be based on like the premise right but it all kind of takes place in sort of like one central location. Right. Yeah.
1: So it was financed for $33,000, as I said, and made that first weekend it grossed $55,000. So it was profitable from day one by a pretty good margin. Um, And, you know, after that first weekend, he went to his partner and, you know, wanted to get some money back out so he could work on other films. Uh, his partner had told him that it it didn't look like it was going to make much and offered him $50,000 to buy out of his deal. So put in a similar position as he was with Deep Throat, maybe less physical threats and stuff, but yeah. uh, he's trying to get bought out for a flat rate and not make his ultimate money. So Damiano, in his own words, said that that was bullshit, and he went to his lawyer about it.
0: Well, that old lawyer, I have to say.
1: Well, his lawyers said he was going to fight for it, so his lawyer and his partner's lawyer got together, and they ultimately uh, decided to settle for $100,000. Oh. So that's a lot more money, but the lawyers took half, so he ended up with the same amount ultimately anyway.
0: Oh, Jesus.
1: Uh, his, by his account, he said that at that point, the film had made like $4 million. So God
0: damn. Uh.
1: And he was supposed to be a third part, a third, like have a third share of the film.
0: He doesn't really have a head for business, it seems like.
1: Yeah, he said that later on, he had he decided to rather than take an ownership stake in the films because that never worked out for him. He was uh, he would then go on to get paid up front for the films in a flat rate because at least that way he knew what he was working with, what he was going to make off of it, and could work from there.
0: That's fair, I guess. Uh, I I mean. mean for him and it's if you've been ripped off twice i guess that's about as fair a deal as you're gonna get
1: right he said that ultimately money wasn't a big thing for him he was doing it because he you know wanted to make films and making porn films wasn't necessarily his uh first choice but it was where he was able to get finance so he was you know on board with it but uh his Big frustration was that he didn't really make a lot of money on any of his productions. And while, like I said, he didn't think that money was like that big of a deal to him personally, Mm -hmm. he wanted to be able to use that money to finance the next film and make something bigger and bigger. Ultimately, he didn't really have the ability to do that. So he was able to be consistent and make films throughout his career. Um, and, and he was really able to do a lot of artistic things with the films that he made. But he wasn't able to really get those escalating budgets that he really wanted. That if he was like a director in Hollywood, he probably would have been able to get up to a certain point at right, least. Right,
0: yeah. Um, just based on the success of the movies, he probably would have been able to... If they'd been traditional Hollywood films, he probably would have made it a little bit further.
1: Right. And, and that's kind of the problem, though, is because at the time... that. When we're talking about the early '70s, mm-hmm. we have the first generation of film school uh, the uh, the first generation of film school graduates right. coming out, and a lot of them got pegged in the porn industry uh-huh. or the uh, exploitation and horror films those these very low budget things. And um, as far as the way that things are done, they have a lot in common. Uh, a lot of them are are financed by shady characters a lot of them are done on very shoestring budgets and a lot of the people involved kind of got pegged as being part of that world and ultimately weren't able to get the level of success that uh the more mainstream people had because once you were a porn director you were the porno guy so you couldn't make a hollywood film
0: you've been pegged (laughs)
1: he had gotten pegged
0: yeah Uh, you're pegged repeatedly
1: that analogy works in more ways than one
0: yeah it's a a good one I think you should let's expand on it
1: so (laughs) talking about the film itself uh, before we get into uh, our rundown of the film there's a few different uh, pieces of the puzzle that are worth digging into a little bit
0: which one? what puzzle?
1: the puzzle the uh I don't know the the, the puzzle that was the uh, I don't know that made up the film itself. I guess.
0: Oh, okay, tell me about the pieces.
1: I don't know. My 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 uh, my metaphors might not be. That's
0: okay. Excellent, but that's all right.
1: I'm working on them.
0: Yeah, you're working on them. Are you?
1: I don't know. I'm just trying to fill time as I put my thoughts together and okay. read through my notes.
0: That's fair. Uh... So,
1: <laughs> uh, on the first film that. Gerard Damiano directed Deep Throat. Mm -hmm. Um, There were two main stars of that film. Linda Lovelace, who we'll not dig into right now, because that's a whole hour discussion of its own. (laughs) And uh, Harry Reams. Harry Reams, we've talked about a few times on this show already, because Mm he is uh, Harry Reams. He's He's, everywhere. He's everywhere. Um, We'll definitely talk a lot more about him. He was a big figure in the East Coast porn scene. But he got his biggest notoriety from being the guy in Deep Throat. Harry would continue to work with Damiano, and on this film, he was a production assistant. Uh, and I think he might have also been credited as a, an assistant director or something like that. Yeah, he like
0: got that. a couple, he maybe got like a producer credit or something right. like that. But his name pops up a couple times.
1: Right. So he was already working with uh, Damiano when all of this started. So. There were two things that are kind of notable in the story going into this. The first is the location used for most of this film. Yeah. The location used in the majority of the film was a former apple packing plant. Yeah. uh, In Pennsylvania that was owned by one of Reams' friends. Uh Uh, They allowed them to use the location for the film and it was also used in damiano's next film memories within miss aggie okay um this location is really kind of awesome yeah um we'll talk about it a little bit when we go through the film but there's a few uh a few specific scenes uh abaca's office that we'll talk about later especially where it gets this really almost dreamlike feel to it but there's a lot of
0: natural light in it i think that adds to it Uh,
1: yeah there's there's a lot of uh i don't know it's a great location
0: yeah it looks like a ski lodge but it's not it's an apple packing plant exactly i've never been to either so maybe i shouldn't make judgments about buildings yeah i've never been to
1: I mean, to be fair, I only know that because I looked it up and read about it. I wouldn't have known otherwise that it was an apple-packing plant. Did There's think, no way to know.
0: Did you think it was actually Purgatory?
1: I thought that there was a pretty solid chance that Damiano had gotten the location rights to film in Purgatory.
0: Yeah. It kind of has that look. It's kind of it's wood-paneled. There's some fields with not a whole lot going on. It's got a very... Uh, I guess that's what Purgatory would look like if uh yuppies live there
1: yes so the other major contribution by harry reams other than the location was the discovery of the film starlet uh that being georgina spelvin who is another significant name in the history of pornography Mm -hmm. uh whose biggest you know most well-known role was this film that we're Mm -hmm. talking about the devil and miss jones Georgina Spelvin had a history doing theater work and dancing. She did her first nudity on film uh, in inserts that Radley Metzger uh, filmed for a film that he had imported called that uh, was released as The Twilight Girls. She did film production work herself working for J.C. Penney in advertising and got interested in making anti-war films, so she, she and a few other people started a film collective they called the Pickle Factory. Oh. Uh, it was called the Pickle Factory because I think that the place...
0: Used to be a remember, Pickle Factory. I
1: think it used to be a Pick... I'm going to double-check that, and I'll cut that out if that's okay. not true. Okay,
0: yeah, leave it in.
1: I'm going to leave it in.
0: It's a Pickle Factory because it used to be a Pickle Factory.
1: Um, she made her first hardcore film called High Priestess of Sexual Witchcraft. Uh She had been working on another film and someone brought her the script and she was interested. Uh, She didn't realize it was a hardcore film because she didn't really know that they existed at the time. This is still the early days of, you know, hardcore films being made and she had not known about it. (laughs) So the... For the High Priestess of Sexual Witchcraft, the script didn't include any specific details about sex happening, so there was no way for her to know just based off the script what was going on. Right. But once she got there and realized what was going on, she went along with it. She didn't really have a problem with it. Once someone
0: penetrated her, she's like, "Oh, oh, this is my job now.
1: She uh, she said that the director was like, okay, so you can start sucking on him and all that. And she was like, wait, you mean for real? And they were like, yeah. And she was like, all right.
0: All right, whatever. Yeah, that's cool. She sounds like fun.
1: Uh, one of her colleagues on High Priestess of Sexual Witchcraft was Mark Stevens. He had told Georgina that Gerard Damiano was shooting a movie and she should check it out. She didn't know who he was. She didn't know what Deep Throat was, but... She was like, okay. So she was told to meet with Harry Reams because he was working in production on the film. She met Harry Reams and... Perry. She met Harry Reams. Okay. Sorry. She met Harry Reams and he told her that all of the acting roles had been taken already, but they needed a cook on set. She was like, well, I can cook. I need to make some money, so I'll do it. No big deal.
0: She, was, so, she wasn't like the understudy or anything. She's just the cook.
1: She was hired on as the cook, they say?
0: Do they say who the lead was originally? Did you find that out in your researches?
1: So I don't know her name, but we'll get back to her in a minute because she actually ended up in the film. Oh, okay. So during the casting for the role of Abaca... Uh, She stood in to read the lines of Miss Jones, Justine Jones, the main character, just just to fill in the spot during casting. Yeah. But Gerard Damiano was impressed with her reading the role. Uh, The person who had been originally cast in that role was having dental problems and wasn't going to be able to be in the film based on when they had to shoot and all of
0: that. I can relate. My tooth kind of hurts right now. So I might, I'll just, uh, I'm going to hand it over to you. Yeah. Yeah, I wish someone else, someone else should be here to stand in for me.
1: Yeah, you need an understudy.
0: But maybe not, because it seems like I could be pretty easily replaced if uh, this is anything to go by. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just work through the pain. Please don't fire me.
1: Uh, yeah, this is the second time that I've considered firing you this episode.
0: Yeah, sorry. I deserve it.
1: So Damiano came to Georgina and offered her the role, and she was flattered and decided that she would go ahead and play the role. Um, Damiano asked, Well, if you play the role, can you still be the cook? Uh, She was like, Well, I could plan things out, but I can't do everything by myself, so she decided she would hire her roommate Claire to be her uh, cooking assistant. Uh, Damiano asked... Georgina if uh, she if Georgina and Claire had any sort of relationship and Georgina was like well we fooled around sometimes so uh, Jamiano asked if she could act in the film as well and so ultimately both cooks ended up being in the film
0: wow yeah that's how
1: films are made on shoestring budgets
0: only in America
1: it's very American yeah There was a uh, Rialto Report podcast that was an interview with Georgina Spelvin where she went through all of this. Um, One of the other important things to make note of in this film is Mark Stevens, who I mentioned before, who had told Georgina about this film being made. Um, Mark also ended up being in the film. He was a guy that was getting a blowjob by Georgina as Miss Jones and another woman. Okay, I remember that scene. Uh, The other woman in that scene was the person who was originally supposed to be Miss Jones. Apparently she got her dental problem fixed in just enough time to show up and give a blowjob.
0: Okay, that's good. That's that's how you put that stuff to the test. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want your fillings falling out in the middle of a suck job. That would really, you'd probably swallow it for sure. It would definitely interrupt the flow of uh, your motion.
1: Uh, Mark Stevens also is the person who was responsible for the snake in this film, uh, which is one of the more iconic scenes in classic porn history, Yeah. the scene of Georgina in the snake, which we will describe in detail later.
0: It fully surprised me.
1: Georgina Spelvin was not her given name, it no. was her porn name. Yeah. She got her name Georgina Spelvin based off of George Spelvin. George Spelvin was a name that actors used on Broadway when they played a second part in the play and didn't want to appear in the credits twice. Wow. So she just adapted that to Georgina. When asked about the success of The Devil and Miss Jones, she pointed out a few different things that she feels really led to its success. She said one of the big contributors to its success was how well shot it was by the cinematographer.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'd I'd agree with that. That's a good... um, Yes. Yes. (laughs) She
1: also singled out Damiano's script and the depth to it, which it definitely has more than just the very uh, point A to point B script that a lot of films had at the time.
0: Yeah, it's it's existential.
1: Uh, The... Score is a big part of it, which yeah. is really awesome. That
0: uh, uh Ennio morricone kinda sounding stuff yeah. while she's like masturbating with fruit. Right. Perfect. Well done.
1: And finally the performances themselves. And I would definitely say, you know, when we look at a lot of other films at the time, we've talked about the altar of lust and act of confession and those were films that definitely had a much smaller budget than this film, but when we think of the films that were being made contemporarily to this, this definitely stands out in its performances. Uh, Georgina herself uh, wrote a biography in 2008, The Devil Made Me Do It, uh, which is about her, well, her career overall, yeah. not just this film, uh-huh. but it certainly covers this film. Right. So that's a good introduction to. The Devil and Miss Jones. So,
0: That was a good introduction. I learned um, a lot. I think we've all learned a lot. Um, if you're going to make a movie, don't go with the mob as your first financiers. Uh, take whatever job you can on a film, because you might be the star. And, you know, never be afraid to suck someone off to see if your feelings are good or if you got ripped off by some fly-by-night uh, dentist. Right. <laughs> and that's, you know, lessons learned.
1: Exactly. So we'll go ahead and take a break here, and then we're going to do our signature deep dive into The Devil and Miss Jones. We'll take a few stops along the way to give a few more details about it. But I think that it's important that we're covering something that's really a uh, big part of pornography history. Yeah, We've covered some great films so far, but this is a real... Uh,
0: this is one of the important ones. It's like if you went to film school for porn instead of Citizen Kane, they're like, we're going to watch The Devil and Miss Jones today. And you're like, great, it's not two and a half hours long.
1: Right. <laughs> so it's a lean 66, 67 minutes.
0: Yeah, our episode's definitely going to be longer than the film itself.
1: Well, uh, on the recorder, we're about a half an hour in already. So, we yeah, haven't we're... even
0: started talking about the movie. Right.
1: <laughs> so, uh hang on with us we'll be right back after the break and we will talk more about the devil in miss jones
0: i had my life to live over it's out of the question oh i know i was just saying that if i did have my life to live over what would you do i would live a life filled engulfed consumed by lust you would
1: yes engulfed consume with
0: lust yes hit play hit play oh wait we're recording don't hit play okay okay am i close enough now uh yes all right good can you hear me in in your earphones yes it all sounds good yes did you hit play
1: i hit record
0: okay good because i told you not to hit play okay all right good
1: i'm glad that we're on the same we're
0: back with the devil and mr jones oh wait no that was that's later that's later. That's a different one. Have you heard it? Have you seen that? No. No. It's real. Oh yeah. Yeah. Is it a um, porn film or a regular film? It is a porn film that I found. I had like a book of like seventies advertisements and stuff. Uh huh. And I think I cut out from that one for the little collage logo I made for the podcast. Oh okay. Yeah. So I'll have to see who directed it, and we'll have to go into that one because it sounds gayer for sure. Excellent. All right. I love it. Okay. Um,
1: All right. So let's talk a little bit about Gerard Damiano's The Devil and Miss Jones. The film opens with our main character, Justine Jones, staring into the camera, begging. She says a lot of stuff at this point, but it's all to the effect of, put your cock in me, I need it now, and stuff like that. She's very pale looking. She's kind of looking run down and ragged, like a like an addict.
0: Yeah, the makeup and everything, and this is pretty good because they do like a convincing job of making her look like middle aged. Yeah, I'm not sure how old she was when she did this. Do you happen it's, to know?
1: She was in her mid 30s.
0: Okay, but so they did aged up too much. But you know, it still looked like she was probably like in her 40s or so for most of it.
1: One thing that's worth mentioning is that throughout the film her appearance changes quite a bit. It does. And it kind of follows her evolution. Yeah. What we're seeing here is kind of a a fast forward towards the end of the film.
0: Yeah, you're yeah. We're
1: We're seeing her at the at the end of the road more or less. Um One of the things that was addressed on the commentary was uh, Damiano was asked why he decided to open the film this way. Uh, Without spoiling too much, this sequence is played again towards the end of the film in more detail. Yeah. Damiano said that he wanted to start the film with something that was uh, kind of captivating to begin with because it, it makes the audience question what's going on.
0: Yeah, um, I've noticed a few film porn films kind of start that way with kind of a confusing, out-of-context sex scene to kind of just grab your attention. You're like, oh, here we are. Right. Because uh, one of the other ones we're going to discuss later starts that way. Um, they don't execute it nearly as well as right. this.
1: Right. Now this this makes sense. I mean, it is a flash forward, so to speak, but the film doesn't doesn't falter for it. It makes logical sense, whereas mm-hmm. in the other one that we're going to do in a couple weeks, uh, that's not quite the case. But we'll get to that when we get there. Um, so he was when asked about it. Damiano also said that. He he seemed like he was kind of on the fence on whether or not that was a good idea to start that way. Because, like I said, he's kind of telegraphing the end here. Yeah. But if you're watching this for the first time, there's no way for you to really have any context no. to know that this is where the film's going.
0: No, it's just a depressing scene that makes no sense when you first see it.
1: So anyway, to, to give more detail, she's staring into the camera, begging, put your cock in me, I need it now, all of that. She's staring into the camera, and we see the reverse shot here, the person that she's talking to, and it's Gerard Damiano himself sitting on the floor of this Mm. cement room.
0: Not a very attractive man.
1: No, but I mean, you know.
0: Neither, you know, I can't really say anything, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know. (laughs) He doesn't pull his dick out in the film, so I mean. That's true. he's He's not in a sex role.
0: He's not a Mr. Reams.
1: No. He, he lets Mr. Reams do his fucking for him. Oh, yeah. So we cut away from Damiano and we see Justine masturbating. She's saying things like, I can't do it by myself. He shushes her, says, close your eyes, you'll see. He'll come out. He's here. She keeps masturbating. She's like, damn you and you know begging more and more and then we kind of smash cut from there to the title sequence yes. um something to note here is that there is a soft core version of the devil and miss jones that runs about 50 minutes versus the 66 67 mm-hmm. minutes that this version runs the softcore version is pretty much the the standard fare of basically just cutting out explicit sex and all of that but one of the other changes to it is this Opening sequence isn't in the softcore version. It oh. starts with the uh, titles and then progresses from there, following the same route that this one takes. So after the opening titles, which are pretty cool, there's yeah. uh, there's kind of a, a tarot-ish kind of yeah. card thing going on. Yeah, it's kind of it's
0: neat. It's little little devil little thematic man. stuff. Yeah, I liked it. I had to think about it for a moment to remember because I watched it. Probably like a week and a half ago, but yeah, it's coming yeah. back. Uh,
1: so after the titles run, we get a shot of taxis on the street of New York, and we kind of pull back a bit, and we see a woman looking out the window at the street. This is our protagonist here, Justine Jones, mm-hmm. the same woman who was in the prior scene, but she looks incredibly different here. Yeah, um, she, Justine Jones, our protagonist, is an older woman, But a uh, woman who has lived her life as a virgin, a spinster. Yeah. She walks over to a mirror in her room and starts to put cream on her face. She's wearing a silky goldish patterned gown. She wipes the cream that she put on her face back off and starts staring at herself in the mirror. She opens up her robe and we see her staring at herself and her exposed breasts as her robe falls to the floor. She puts her hands on herself and holds her breast for a moment before walking away and turning off the lamp in the room and walking into the bathroom. She turns on the light in the bathroom and starts filling up the tub, pours a little bit of soap in. And then she pulls a hand razor from the medicine cabinet and lays it down uh, on the side of the bathtub.
0: Uh-oh.
1: It's at this point where I start to notice the, the soundtrack is really rocking at this point, yeah. getting getting it's- very dramatic.
0: Yeah, it's like a kind of like a Jefferson Airplane kind of like suicide dirge. <laughs> it's pretty good.
1: She gets into the tub, uh lays down. She turns the tub water off with her toes and soaks in there for a moment. We kind of pan from her feet to her head and get a good look at her body and it's here that we kind of really get to see the kind of morose look on her face. She yeah. looks really sad.
0: Yeah, she does something I do, which is where, if I need to adjust the water, I'm not leaning forward. I just use my toes, right. like as little separate hands. Um, which she does too, so it was relatable. I thought
1: Damiano on the commentary track noted that this was a really he liked that shot of her turning off the water with her toes. And, okay, yeah, it was good.
0: We can copy something like that. because I know how to do it. So right. if we need a scene of me in like a bathtub. <laughs>
1: Uh, you know, I don't have a foot thing necessarily, but it was it was a good shot. Yeah. Uh, the The song that's playing here, I, I noted some of the lyrics include, "I can't wait one more day, can't find one more word to say." So we get that kind of really uh, depressing song, kind yeah. of telegraphing what's going on yeah. here.
0: In case you're too slow to figure it out.
1: So she starts to take the razor apart and pulls the razor blade itself out of it. Uh, Then she slashes her wrists across on both arms. Um, We do note that if you're trying to actually kill yourself, sliding down the vein is a more appropriate way of doing so. But I do want to say that the Raincoat Report does not support suicide. I I don't
0: encourage that. So I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> so don't do
1: it. Actually, don't do it at all.
0: Yeah. But if
1: you're going to do it, go ahead and slice across. That way you yeah. don't die.
0: Yeah. Fuck it up on purpose.
1: Do it wrong. Yeah. Um, so this was an interesting shot in the sense that uh, they had a lot of trouble figuring out the special effects here because mm-hmm. the original special effects looked super fake. Yeah. Um, so... They ended up using a, uh, a stage plaster over her arm that had the blood under it, and it looks really convincing. Yeah, it does It
0: does look good. I was concerned at first that they were going to really make it like pretty cheap-looking like they probably right. originally had it, but it's nice to know they went back and made it worth the time.
1: So we see this happen, and we see her blood start dripping into the water and pooling in. She slowly lowers her wrists into the water, and she starts to kind of fade. Eventually, her head falls to the side, and she goes limp. So we cut from there straight to this room with large windows. So this is our apple packing plant that we Mm, talked about. This is a really great location.
0: Yeah, you love it a lot. You you should move there. Uh, This...
1: I mean, the other the other scenes that are shot at this apple packing plant, I mean, they're good scenes and all, but this particular location, mm-hmm. Abaca's office, is really dreamy. I think yeah. it's just all the natural light coming in.
0: I think that's part of it for sure. It's... And,
1: you know, they said that they had some fill lights, but most of the light in there was the natural light coming in from those windows, and it gives it this really dreamy feel with all the light blaring into the room. Yeah
0: afterlife kind of situation which is what they're going for so it worked
1: so there's a lot of big solid wooden furniture in the room and we see justine walking across the floor and speaking to the man at the desk who we find out his name is abaca yeah he asked her if she knows why she's here and she thinks she's applying for a job she's not really completely sure what's going on at that yeah. point Apparently, death leaves you a bit confused.
0: Apparently, uh just don't remember. Like the last, like, kind of just black out a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Wake up. Oh, hey. I was in the bath, but now I'm here for a job interview.
1: (laughs) So, Abaca tells her that there are two positions open, and she seems a bit confused. Uh, He says that the firm doesn't have a clear system for what's happening, and she's even more confused, and I as a viewer am confused. Abaca offers her a cigarette. He said, Our firm started long before cigarettes were invented. There were no provisions put in place for them. He says they weren't prepared for her, and she was supposed to go to the higher office, but her accident changed things. Justine doesn't seem to understand what's going on still, and Abaca explains that she had taken her own life, mm-hmm. and she's starting to realize what's going on here.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, that's, uh, that's theology. If you commit suicide, you go to hell. That's what the Catholics believe.
1: Yeah, Damiano talked a little bit about this specifically, yeah. and he said that this was an interesting topic to him because it was the one thing in Catholicism that could never be forgiven. Yeah, uh, you know everything else. There's, there's, you know, confession and repentance yeah, and all you, of that. You can't
0: take God's precious gift of life. Um, apparently,
1: right. He, well, and he, he looks
0: poorly upon it.
1: Exactly. Well, and Damiano kind of, you know, explained further that, you know, if, if there wasn't a rule against suicide, then people could just kill themselves whenever to go straight to heaven, skip the line and all of that. So, I mean, it makes sense that oh. maybe that would be a bad thing.
0: I, I, I can kind of see that. That precludes, like, you actually having to believe in all of that stuff anyway and then just being like, time to off myself to get more into it
1: right i guess
0: i don't know it's a it's a deeper theological conversation than i think we're gonna have on this show
1: yeah i have no theological knowledge so i'm going to abstain from commenting further i'm just reporting what he was talking about
0: yeah because he's he's not alive still is he no he's not let's get the ouija board out and bring him up okay we'll dial
1: him up and You and Damiano from The Grave can have an argument about this.
0: Okay, great. Um, I do know in The Inferno, if you commit suicide, you're turned into a tree. Okay. And people can come break branches off you, and you scream, and you're upset about it. So that's uh, what she's probably preparing for. (laughs) That's what she should prepare for in the near future.
1: So Justine kind of reiterates back and asks him so you're you're trying to figure out if i'm going to heaven or hell abaca explains that her record was nearly perfect but her accident as he refers to it is the one thing that they won't forgive abaca explains that his job is to ease the journey for her uh, but he has no say in this matter she, sa- she seems disappointed by this because it's all based on her one action there, despite everything she had done in her life. She says, if only I had done something, anything, it wouldn't be so bad. You know, in the sense that she wouldn't feel as bad about the fact that she's condemned to hell.
0: Right, if she'd spend more time doing slutty sins and such.
1: So Abacus says, well, certainly you wouldn't want me to send you back to steal or murder. And she explains, no, she means lust. Yeah. She says that she's a virgin and she's done nothing. Well. She asks, you know, Abaca about this and he, you know, further explains that well, where she's going, she's going for eternity. She said if she had to do it all over again, she'd live her life engulfed and consumed by lust. Oh. Abaca says that's out of the question. <laughs> But he says they're not expecting her for a while. and He kind of pauses to think. So he can send her to enjoy herself for a little bit of time. He tells her to walk out the door, pointing to the doorway. She kisses his hand, and we see her walk out and open a door to the room.
0: I think abaca's in purgatory, like you're in charge of purgatory, because he's kind of wishy-washy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, he couldn't really make up his mind So they're like, that's where we're going to stick you uh, But he just can't let people go back to Earth and stuff all the time That's uh, it's not what they put you there for You're never going to get that promotion Right Mr. Abaca
1: Well, I, and, and I don't get the impression necessarily That she's been sent back to Earth, so to speak
0: It kind of, yeah, I didn't get that impression either It seems, I thought that's what was going to happen Right But it seems like she's just hanging out in the Apple factory. Right. um, Fucking getting her ass rammed.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So Um, we see her walk through this door and there's a man in a wooden chair. Old Harry Reams. Yeah,
0: that's Harry. He's the teacher.
1: He is the teacher. She tells him that she's lost and he explains to her that she's not lost. She's here. He explains to her that he is the teacher and he's going to cure her of her inhibitions. He says that this is necessary to make the task easier and her pleasure heightened. He has her bend down and she puts her head in front of him and he puts his palm on her face and we get a weird synthy sound
0: effect. I kind of noted that it was like a sexy, like Vulcan mind meld thing. (laughs) He's kind of like transferring information to her. Um,
1: or at least sexual energy. Yeah,
0: sexual energy. Some sort of power that is able to be transferred uh because I guess as the teacher he's less a person and more of like an archetype. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really know like
1: He's a he's a celestial being of sexual deviancy. Oh yeah. I guess. I don't know. No, That's my guess.
0: I could see it like if he if Harry Reems had like a constellation. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. It would probably be like a giant mustache or a giant or a giant schlong, one of the two. Right. Um, but people would turn to it and pray for sexual potency.
1: Yeah, I think that I should get a Harry Reem statue in my house to pray to.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sec-
1: I'm sexually potent as it is, but I don't want to lose my potency. And yeah. if I could increase it, yeah, like, to levels that I've never known.
0: Would you get a big one or like just like a small one you could put on a table?
1: It really depends. do Do we know whether or not the size of it affects its potency?
0: I don't know. I think it's more just like it's more to be ostentatious if you want a big one or not.
1: Right. It's it's just how how am I going to design my house around it?
0: Yeah, you could like, always if it's
1: if it's like a six foot tall hairy reams, it's something that everybody's going to notice. But if I get like a three inch hairy reams <laughs> to put on a shelf, maybe somebody notices. You could never
0: it. make hairy reams that small. That's true. You'd have to be at least six inches to really capture his uh his magnitude.
1: That's true. Um, He's definitely, the statue definitely is completely nude with his cock out, for sure. Yeah,
0: I think we could probably build a religion just based around the teachings of the teacher.
1: I think we should build a religion around the teachings yeah. of the teacher. Do you want to
0: turn this into like a podcast where we just like pre-turn new gospel?
1: I think that this may be a good idea.
0: Okay, we might get more viewers. That's true. Okay, but what were we talking about?
1: Uh, so, we were talking about the teacher.
0: Oh, yes. Have you heard of the teacher? Have you heard the good word of the teacher?
1: So, the teacher has...
0: Has the teacher blessed your ass today? Not yet. Well, well there's always hope.
1: There is. For Justine, the hope springs immediately. Yes. So, the teacher asked Justine to disrobe... Justine's wearing a white corset thing where uh, her breasts are exposed. She's also wearing white thigh highs and garters and high heels. He has her bend over in front of him, and he puts a rubber thing in her ass.
0: It's like a primitive butt plug.
1: Right. It's not. It's not shaped like a modern butt plug would be. It's more like a, a finger. It's shape. like a
0: finger guard for when you're. It's your finger guard for your fingering. Right. Uh, I've never seen it. Um, I'd say there's a variety of sex toys in these films that I never knew existed.
1: Yeah, the sex uh, sex toy technology has evolved significantly since the 70s.
0: It's a lot, but I also think we've lost some things. I feel like now everything is kind of like a bullet or some kind of orb, and there's no angles anymore. This thing's like <laughs> you might tear your rectal wall on it. Yeah, um, if you're not careful with it, and the sense of danger has left sex.
1: some may argue that that's a good thing but i'm not gonna weigh in too heavily
0: they're cowards and i'll call them out
1: so he puts this anal dilator in her ass so the teacher explains to her that she must hold that in or she'll be punished she asks to stand up and he tells her that she must stay in the position until he tells her We wait a moment, and she says that it's uncomfortable, so he goes ahead and tells her to walk over to him. He shows her his dick and asks what she calls it. She says, penis, prick, cock. She talks about her excitement and asks to touch it, so she does. And then she asks to kiss it, and she does. (laughs) She mentions it feels so smooth. He asks her to put it in her mouth. And then she does, and then he tells her all of the way. She says she loves the taste of it, the feel of it. He tells her to take it all the way in. She talks about how big and hard it is. He tells her again and to put it all the way in, and she do- goes for it. She goes down a bit, but she's not quite deep-throating. We'll leave that to Linda Lovelace.
0: Yeah, that's not what Georgina Spelvin's here for. Uh, You'll see what she's here for.
1: She's here for a lot of things. Yes. So he continues to talk her through it. He has her hold her mouth still as he fucks her mouth while he's laying down. She's over him. He's laying on the bed, and he's thrusting upwards into her mouth. Uh She plays with his balls. She makes a comment. So smooth, so hard, so warm. (laughs) And she keeps sucking on it and stopping to dirty talk in between. She says, I can feel it on the roof of my mouth. She says, I want to know what it feels like in my cunt. Can you put it in my cunt? She asks him to be gentle and he says no. Hmm? He tells her to concentrate on the pleasure. She's on top of him in a reverse cowgirl position facing the camera and he pushes it in and she screams a bit but then she starts to add, she starts to adjust to it and then goes on to ride his dong slowly and hesitantly at first and then getting really into it. Yeah. So we're getting to see the sexual awakening of Justine Jones here.
0: Is Harry Reems the devil?
1: Um perhaps okay he's the great teacher the devil yes she asks him to take the thing out of her backside as as she says and he does she then asks him to put his finger in there and he does thumbing her ass she says it hurts but tells him not to stop she's still riding dong and moaning hard then we move to her sideways uh He's laying sideways next to her, also laying sideways. She says that she wants his cock inside of her. So he has his finger in her ass, and then he slides his cock into her ass. And we, ladies and gentlemen, have reached our first anal sex scene of the raincoat report.
0: Yeah, that's the first one.
1: Yeah, we had, uh, we had an enema scene in Pretty Peaches. Yeah. So that was a little bit, that was more anal play, but it's not yeah. anal sex.
0: No, we finally, we're there.
1: We're there. It's really kind of almost disappointing that it's gone this long without us getting there.
0: Yeah, yeah, we should have. I would have thought it would have showed up sooner.
1: Yeah, but, you know, we finally gotten there and really it's it's worth it for the long wait.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of the fur there's a bunch of anal stuff in this movie.
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah.
0: Gerard was doing he incorporated a bunch of different kind of fetishy stuff in this
1: yeah there there was an anal scene in deep throat as well so he uh, he was no uh, he was no stranger to anal sex good for him yeah good for him good for everybody involved <laughs> <laughs> so he slides his cock in her ass as we mm-hmm. mentioned before yeah. she says it hurts at first and to go slow but then after a minute, She says that she wants him to come in her ass, and he gets to pumping away. There's some chaotic cutting back and forth, and then we move to another scene.
0: Yeah, uh, she gets fucked so hard she wakes up in a lesbian relationship. (laughs) (laughs) There's no transition, she's just like... I guess it uh, adds to like the kind of the dreamy feel of the movie is there's kind of, right. there's no real transitions between scenes. Right. It's just kind of like little vignette after vignette with no setup.
1: Right. Well, and she she's not living on the same plane as we are. No. She's experiencing one pleasure after another.
0: Yeah. In an endless succession um, guided by our master, the teacher.
1: The teacher, yes.
0: All hail the teacher.
1: All hail the teacher so we cut from that to we see a woman in a robe walking downstairs now this is claire lumiere who was georgina's roommate yeah who they had fooled around a bit but weren't really in like a romantic relationship with each other but uh given the opportunity of this film they decided to work together here so we see kind of a kind of a I don't know, a somewhat sweet scene between the two of them. Yeah. She walks down the steps, reaches the bottom of the steps, and drops her robe, and we see her walk over to a bed where Justine is laying naked. We see the unnamed woman, played by Claire, rubbing some oil on Justine, first on her chest, and then she rolls over and has her back and ass rubbed with the oil, Gerard Damiano mentioned that on the VHS release, this scene was cut completely for some reason. Which is bizarre considering all of the other things in the film. Yeah. That this was the scene, because this is the more uh, sensual scene of the film. The less grimy, dirty scene, really, of the film.
0: Yeah, I feel like they probably left this in the softcore cut for the most part.
1: So, again, we we get this... uh, They didn't
0: cut the snake.
1: Yeah, they didn't cut the snake. No one would cut the snake.
0: I guess that's like the key moment in the film.
1: Uh, We get some more of that very uh, high quality music in the film. And I mean that in a very legitimate way, not in any sarcastic way. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, The bed's covered in a plastic sheet, which is a good idea because of all the oil getting rubbed around and stuff. I
0: wondered why there was a plastic sheet on there. That makes sense, um, thinking about it practically. I was trying to think of it as kind of like, why is there a plastic sheet on the bed in this otherworldly dimension? Right. But, yeah, I guess if you have to reuse that bed at some point.
1: Right. Right. They gotta take it back to Rena Center when they're done.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we can't accept this. It's <laughs> doubt it's drenched in oil. Like, watch this, watch this. And the guy steps on it and squirts out the sides <laughs> like a sponge. <laughs> this is unacceptable. You're gonna have to pay to have this shampooed.
1: You know, as the unemployed person you are, maybe you should get a job at Rena Center.
0: Yeah, I seem to have a handle on it. I won't take no guff, that's for sure. <laughs> Don't try to bring back your porno mattresses and act like you just were sleeping on them. I know. <laughs> the springs are all worn out. Spots all over it. You, I'm going to have to get my manager. <laughs> teacher. Teacher.
1: Does the teacher work at Renaissance or too? Uh, yes. Excellent.
0: Yeah, that's where I met him. <laughs>
1: So, Claire, uh, we'll call her Claire, because that's her real, or, well, at least her screen name.
0: I don't think she, they don't give people names, really. Yeah,
1: Claire starts making out with Justine, and uh, starts to finger her. They're starting to roll around together naked, and we get some close-up shots of them kissing, and uh, some close-up shots of them rubbing each other's vaginas. Claire starts to go down on Justine, and... Justine wraps her legs around Claire's head. Justine slowly rolls so that Claire is starting to eat her vagina and ass from behind. <clears throat> Justine's face shows that she's really digging it. Um, there's no sound in the scene other than the background music itself. So they go back to kissing uh, after Justine gets off. Then we fade to Justine Jones in a bathtub, but this time it's not a suicide scene. It's a scene of her using this tube hose uh, that's spitting out water, and she's spraying it all over her vagina, and she puts it in her vagina. Yeah. Then she pulls it out and sprays the outside, so she's using this uh, water flow to masturbate. Yeah. Uh, again, there's no sound in this scene, but the music itself in the background, which is good. Uh, she starts stimulating her nipples with the water and then sprays it into her mouth a bit. Ooh. Then she rolls onto her hands and knees and stuffs the hose in her ass.
0: Yeah, so that's our second Enema scene.
1: Yeah, that's our second Enema scene in three weeks of podcasts.
0: That's great. That's bigger than I thought it would be. <laughs> because there's like a little undercurrent of enema stuff going on that uh, I was not previously aware of.
1: We're This is our way of slowly building to the episode where we review Water Power.
0: Oh, yeah. I forgot about Water Power. That's going to be great.
1: I think that we, we need to get our friend Tyler to be on that episode. I want to get him to watch it and review it with us, because I think he'll be delighted.
0: Yeah, he would love that.
1: This, this one's for you, Tyler.
0: Yeah. It's called Water Power.
1: Um... So let's see, where were we? So, we see her facial reactions as she fills her ass with water, and then she collapses back into the tub and writhes around a bit. So then we cut back to the teacher. He's telling her to suck it. So we see her blowing him, and he's wearing this yellow house coat. (laughs) Uh, He tells her she needs to go slow and savor the pleasure.
0: Yeah, he kind of teaches her like Mr. Miyagi
1: Yeah, he's... He's
0: very methodical.
1: He knows what he's doing. He has a whole training plan in, in mind.
0: Yeah. Otherwise, he wouldn't be the teacher. That's true. Yeah.
1: She asks him to come in her mouth, and she keeps working at it. When he starts coming, she pulls it out and starts stroking and licking it, and then collapses with her head under his balls to catch the last bit. So she didn't come... Or, he didn't come in her mouth, but... He came a bunch, and a lot of it got in her mouth.
0: Yeah, that's good enough. A, a nod's as good as a wink to a blind horse. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she kind of collapses at the end with her head kind of under, under, under his, his balls. balls as yeah. he's sitting and catches the last bit of cum as it's coming out. After a moment, she gets back up and starts licking the cum off of his cock. We see the scene fade out and she's as she's holding his cock again and we fade into a shot of her on a bed. She's wearing nothing but thigh highs and has an apple and a thing of grapes on her. So when asked about this particular scene, Damiano on the commentary said that this was a time where sex toys were a thing but they weren't quite as common as they are today. Mm-hmm. So what. Where this might have been in a lot of other films later on, a scene where she played with a dildo or like some Benoit balls or something right. like that. Instead, she is uh, doing a sex scene uh, with fruit. Fruit. So she has an apple and a thing of grapes. Uh, I thought that the apple kind of looked like an onion for a moment and I was confused, but it was an <laughs> apple.
0: Well, That's good.
1: Uh, She bit into the apple and then rubs it on her vagina uh, before she starts to pick grapes off of the vine one by one and push them into her vagina one by one.
0: Yeah,
1: And she starts to pull them out and eat them. She reaches over to a fruit bowl next to the bed and pulls out a banana.
0: Yeah, it took her a couple tries, but she finally figured out the one shaped like a dick would probably work the best for this
1: yeah the apple in particular was a poor choice
0: yeah i don't know what she was aside from like the obvious like religious iconography of her eating the apple and then going to the next scene right uh, Right. it's not easy to masturbate with unless you're trying to do some like more extreme stuff where you get that whole apple up in there
1: right right
0: but i feel like even gerard was like that's absurd
1: yeah, that's a little too much for Damiano in nineteen seventy
0: three. Yeah. I saw a lady one time push an orange out of her vagina, and that seemed like it was probably a lot of work to get in there.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And she's lucky she got it out. Yeah, that would have been a real uncomfortable ER trip,
1: <laughs> right? Uh, I have seen a woman on the internet push an apple out of her ass. No, oh. uh, you know. I've been I've been to the depths of the internet. I'm yeah. sure you have too.
0: Yeah. An apple's just so awkwardly shaped.
1: Yeah, it really is. It's not like like it's not flared at any point.
0: Yeah. It's you all know what an apple looks like, I hope. So yeah. imagine just kind of getting that into any orifice. There's no real There's not really a point of insertion for an apple.
1: Right. If you're going to put a piece of produce inside of you, you want something that has like a point at the end, some yeah. small, some small tapered part
0: yeah. that anything you can push kinda, in. Anything kind of dong-shaped works.
1: Right. You know, you got your bananas, your cucumbers, your, yeah. your squashes even. Your squashes.
0: Um, eggplants. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: You know, all of those, radish, a big long radish perhaps.
1: Yeah. I mean, a radish is going to be more difficult, but it, it's, it's more practical than an apple.
0: Yeah. Don't put an apple in your body.
1: Yeah. In general, you also if you're going to put things in you, you want to do something where you're going to have part of it outside of you.
0: I don't see how that's possible with the apple.
1: It's not possible with the because
0: apple. Cuz even if you pull that little stem, that little stem is likely to break off.
1: Right. Yeah, that's that's no yeah, that stem is not going to hold up against the muscles in your, your, your vagina or your rectum. Your
0: sphincter, yeah. So, raincoat report pro tip. Don't masturbate with an apple. Uh, But if you have your own tips on how to masturbate with an apple that have been successful, please send them to raincoatreport at gmail.com.
1: Yes, we'll read them on the air.
0: Yes, definitely.
1: Okay, so she reaches over to the fruit bowl and pulls out the banana, which again was something that made a lot more practical sense in this case. So she starts to suck on the banana in full peel. Uh, Not unpeeled in any way. Then the camera goes from a shot of her laying on the bed. It zooms in to the background to a shot of the mirror in the background of the scene. So we can kind of see her from the opposite angle. From that opposite angle... We see her pushing the banana into her vagina. I noted that this was a pretty cool shot like from a cinematography perspective. We get to go straight from a shot from one perspective to a shot from another perspective without actually having to cut to another angle. From there, we do cut to another shot, and from that other shot, we see her pull the banana out of her vagina, and then she peels it a bit and starts to put it down her throat. It falls apart as she's doing that. From there, she shoves it in her vagina a bit more and then eats a little bit more of it. The banana itself has brown spots on it, so I don't know if it tastes any good.
0: Ooh, well, I can eat a pretty brown banana. Yeah. Uh, I try to eat around the brown spots in that case, or, you know, but um, I guess this is what they had on set.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, what are you going to do? That's the banana we have.
0: She was the cook, so ultimately I feel like she was responsible for the freshness of the banana.
1: Yeah, that's probably at least partially her fault. We then cut away to a shot of a snake close up. I think it's a ball python looks like a ball python
0: looks like the snake that I watch
1: the score here continues to be pretty wild um, She, we cut to her face and she's flicking her tongue a bit perhaps towards the snake itself we see the snake crawling on her naked body and she pulls the snake toward her face and it gets near her lips as she continues to flick her tongue at it then she slowly starts to stick the snake's head in her mouth.
0: That was very unexpected, uh, I'm going to say. Um, I just don't know like what the erotic potential of just putting a snake in your mouth is. I mean, the implication is obviously it's a dick. Right. Uh, but I don't know. I guess I would be worried the snake would bite down on my tongue, even though they're pretty gentle. Mm-hmm. I just feel like there would be a point where they're like, what's going on? Why I'm in this warm cave. <laughs> so th-
1: this scene in particular is notable. Uh, it's it's pretty much the iconic scene of the film. Yeah. But it's also notable in the sense that everything else in this film was scripted directly by Damiano, including all the dirty talk during the sex scenes and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one was just kind of a fly by the seat of your pants thing. Cause Mark Stevens had showed up because he was going to be in the film, Yeah. but he showed up with his snake because it was getting to a cold time of the year and he didn't want to leave the snake at home. He just wanted to bring the snake with him. He just took,
0: so he took the snake away from where it probably had like a heating pad and Perhaps a heating lamp to just kind of drag it around with them because it's getting cold.
1: Right, yeah, that's that's something that I kind of noted here. I thought that it was, uh, <laughs> I thought that the logic here didn't quite stack up, but that's, that's what I had heard.
0: I think Mark Stevens is an agitator who's trying to flout both man's law and God's.
1: <laughs> uh, that's the official word from the Raincoat Report. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Mark Stevens has been uh, not with us for a very long time, so he can't defend himself.
0: We're going to get that Ouija board out. We got a lot of questions to ask after the show.
1: Uh, we're going to do a premium Patreon podcast where we use the Ouija board to uh, communicate with the performers and directors of the past.
0: Yeah, it'll be on Twitch, so they'll be video proof.
1: Yes, we'll be able to show all of you the
0: dark. The dark arts the dark <laughs> and the spirits of the dead
1: please, yes
0: please join us for 1995 a month
1: yes so the snake is probably pissed here
0: um, I made a note I was like how do you think the snake feels about it just in general
1: um, I am happy that she didn't do anything crazy like bite the snake's head off or anything because that would dramatically change the tone of the film
0: yeah do you think the snake is the teacher?
1: I hadn't considered that.
0: If we go based on my other theory that the teacher in Harry Reams is the devil, Mm -hmm. then I think it makes sense. He would take the form of a serpent, and that's why she's so eager to just stick this random snake in her mouth.
1: Right. I like it. I like this thought. Yeah. This is is the teacher as a snake.
0: Yes. Teacher the snake playing himself.
1: So from this scene, we cut to an outside shot. Justine and Abaca are walking through the brush. She says that she's found contentment for the first time, and she asks Abaca how much time she has, and he tells her she has enough. Vaguely. She asks if Abica can ask on her behalf for her to be able to continue this until her original remaining time elapses, so the amount of time that she would have lived had she not had as Abacad describes it, her accident. Her accident. Abacad explains that this is not possible. So from here, we cut to two women sucking the cock of some guy. So one of the women is Justine. Mm-hmm. The other woman was the woman who was originally cast as Justine and we thought was not going to be able to be in the film.
0: Because of her dental problems. Because of her dental
1: situation. Uh, Ultimately, Damiano and everybody was pleased with the way that uh, Georgina filled the role. So there's definitely no regrets about that. But uh, our person who we thought wasn't going to be in the film actually ended up being in the film. So that's good. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, And the cock that they're sucking was the cock of Mark Stevens, the snake owner. Yeah. Justine is encouraging the other girl as she goes and then takes her turn sucking on it. After switching off a bit, Justine asks the other girl to stuff the cock in her cunt. uh, That being Justine's cunt. Yes. So Justine is getting fucked sideways for a bit. She comes and then the other girl pulls out Mark's cock and he comes on the other girl's lips. Justine kisses and licks the cum off the other girl's face. Both girls lick Mark's cock and make out. And they lick the cum off of her hands and kiss back and forth. So we get a little uh, nasty cum-licking action here. Yeah. Just the way God intended.
0: Yeah, it's... Really filthy
1: So then we see Miss Jones Riding on a guy Cowgirl And then another guy comes up From behind And stuffs his dick In her ass and we get to see The double penetration scene This was the one thing that Justine had a little bit of uh, reservation about when she saw the script the first time. She said that she had never had anal sex before, and she certainly had never had a a double penetration before because of the former. Yes. Um, So this was something that they had to talk her through more or less, but she ultimately enjoyed the situation. Maybe not like, you know. Yeah. It wasn't like her, her favorite thing, but she she got along with it. <laughs> but yeah, this is uh, also the first double penetration scene of the Raincoat Report. So oh yeah,
0: we're breaking a lot of barriers today.
1: We really are. Wow. Just like Justine. Yeah. Breaking a lot of barriers. Yes, no. Going to places we've never gone before.
0: Yeah. They're all butt related. Yeah, you know. That's good
1: the raincoat report uh it's time to mix it up the raincoat report solidly supports all things but yeah well most things but at least i don't know that we we already said that you shouldn't put an apple in your butt yeah
0: don't put an apple in your butt but But if you
1: want to have some butt sex go for it go for it uh just you know be careful use a lot of lube be responsible
0: don't use an apple
1: don't use an apple so Justine is all about it in the scene. She, she asks the guys, Can you feel your cocks together? Can you put your cr- prick further up my ass and further in my cunt? She commands them along the way, harder, faster, get me off. At one point she's like, hold still, I don't want to come yet. She tells them that she wants them to come outside of her so she can feel it run down her legs. So the guys pull out and turn and come and basically come on each other's balls.
0: Yeah, he came on his asshole. Yeah, which makes it unintentional gay porn.
1: Sort, I guess. Yes, I don't know. It is okay. I'll take your word for if you it. Come
0: on, another man's asshole. It's gay. That's <laughs> <laughs> just. Uh, I didn't come up with it.
1: That that's the rules.
0: It's in the Bible.
1: Oh, is that specifically in the Bible?
0: Uh huh. Um, in the back. <laughs>
1: Uh, okay so we cut to miss jones at a table with abaca abaca asks her if she's ready she asks if she can stay and abaca says that's not possible it's time she says she's done everything she's been taught doesn't that mean anything abaca explains again that they must go he tells her to take his hand and we hear synthy sounds as the screen fills with light. Then we see Justine walking in the room from the start of the film with Gerard Damiano, his character, sitting on the floor. So again we're, we're back where we started. Yeah. So we get a little more context here. We know what led up to this, but we also get some more of this scene to set it up. She's talking to damiano's character he asks her what she expected witches rats roaches he is talking all crazy though he says i'm not crazy flies eat they got digestive tracts if you sit very still and pretend you're asleep he comes out so she sits down and opens up her legs showing him her vagina and she's masturbating and trying to seduce him But he's talking about this fly detached from her. She's coming across like an addict, like I said before, pale, and she's just begging him to touch her, but he's not responding to her at all. He shushes her, and again, close your eyes, you'll see. He's here. He'll come out. She's still going at it, frustrated, crying and masturbating, and yelling. Welcome to Damiano Hell. Yeah. She's crying and masturbating as she as we freeze frame
0: and we get the credits. Her hell is sexual frustration.
1: So going back to Damiano and what he's talking about, he says that he doesn't believe that there would be one specific version of hell. And this situation would be hell for both of those people. He's sitting there on the floor, paranoid talking about this fly. And he's obviously in great distress about it because it's all he can talk about. It's all consuming. Meanwhile, Miss Jones is sitting there with all this pent-up sexual frustration. She's become this this being, this addict of sex. Yes. And all she wants is for somebody to touch her, to help her get off. And this guy is completely detached and living in his own world.
0: Yeah, it's never going to happen for her.
1: This is uh, an interesting approach to things. So, ultimately, we have this situation where Justine Jones, this virginal woman uh dies without experiencing all of these things and is being sentenced to hell because of this one action that she took and she gets the benefit of being able to explore her sexual fantasies and her lust that she was never able to experience on earth yeah but that situation leaves her broken to the point where when she actually goes to hell the one thing that they can do to bring the most distress upon her has put her in a situation where she gets no sexual attention.
0: Yes, it's very ironic.
1: When speaking about the themes of the film, Damiano mentioned that this film showed sex taken to the extreme and dominating her life, which is a bad thing. But he kind of reinforced that as a consenting act between adults, sex is an important part of living uh and of course consent shouldn't be one party getting what they want and the other party just having to go along with it which uh you know is a very forward-thinking idea for somebody who was making porn in the 70s it's true but um you know it was kind of you know asked of him leading up to that that you know, whether this was about how, you know, sex might be a, a bad thing. But, you know, he his reinforcement there was more that, you know, taken to the extreme and living a life that's only dominated by sex. Of course, that's a bad thing. But, you know, it's about extremes, not about normal life.
0: Yeah. She wanted it all.
1: So, The Devil and Miss Jones was released on dvd by vcx in 2006 mm-hmm. um, the release has uh, was a, a new digital transfer at the time and they have this 5.1 surround soundtrack that really works um but there's there's definitely some age to it um firstly the dvd itself is in widescreen but it's not anamorphic widescreen what that means is if you play the DVD itself on your widescreen TV, you still have black bars at the top and bottom of the image. So the image is kind of just stuck in the middle of the screen. Yeah. I had to rip it from the DVD and then re-encode it, taking the, the top and bottom bars off that way that it fills up the screen. You're a real which hero. Is, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, which is a lot of work to uh, get to, you know, a good image. And this is one of those films that really, really needs that, that, uh attention that a group like vinegar syndrome or synapse or somebody like that would be able to give it
0: i'm surprised it hasn't had like a big blu-ray release or anything like that considering so many other films have
1: yeah i think that it 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 really comes down to the films themselves the film itself being kind of overpriced and the people who own it being very protective of it gotcha um, there are a lot of disputes about this and Deep Throat specifically mm-hmm. about their ownership. There's a group, uh, v- VCX, who released this. And also, I think it's Arrow Video. Not, yeah. not Arrow Films, who release a bunch of genre films in the UK and the US, but like a, another group called Arrow. Right. Um, they <clears throat> each had claims to the rights on The Devil and Miss Jones and Deep Throat. And at some point they settled and VCX got The Devil and Miss Jones and Arrow got Deep Throat. Um, But I think that the rights situation between the two of them is complicated and they might want a ton of money for another group to license them. So it's just been a whole sticking point. But I hope that something crazy happens and one day Vinegar Syndrome gets rights to both of them and does them upright.
0: That would be beautiful.
1: Uh, Deep Throat actually had a Blu-ray release, uh-huh. but it's based off of like a really old master. That uh, I saw some comparison shots between the Blu-ray and the European DVD of it, and in some shots, the European DVD looked better than the Blu-ray. So it's a rough situation. Yeah. So anyway, both of these films really deserve to get a better treatment, but. For the release itself, uh, it includes the hardcore cut that we talked about here. The, it also includes the softcore cut, which, other than the omission of the opening uh, shot, uh, I understand is basically the same as the hardcore cut with the explicit sex taken out and uh, probably some shots zoomed in to not show penetration and all of that. Um, there's also an uh, interview with Georgina Spelvin on it. That uh, I did not get around to watching, but uh, it's probably pretty good as well. So, all things considered, it's not a terrible release, but you might have to mess with your TV settings to get it to fill up your TV. Okay. All right.
0: So, you can sit really close.
1: Yeah, you can just sit really close and press your face against the TV. Yeah. Um, But that is The Devil and Miss Jones. So, we're going to take another break here, and then we'll be back to give our signature analysis of. The Devil and Miss Jones.
0: Yeah. You don't think it's important? You think I'm crazy? Oh,
1: bring me your tongue. I want you to lick my cunt. Stick your
0: fingers in here. He's here. Somewhere. I know it. Don't you see? I must pretend. Bring me your prick. I would have stuck on it. Okay Are we back? Uh, now we're back.
1: Now we're back. All right. Um, so we are so we are back again on the Raincoat report with our review section and I'm going to turn things over to our resident reviewman,
0: Jeremy. Oh, that's me. Hello. Um, what did I like about this film? I liked all the background information we learned about mobs and roommates and dentists. But I'd say, ultimately, I was disappointed we never actually saw the devil. Even though I think we kind of puzzled it out a little bit in the middle there. I think Harry Reams is the devil.
1: Yeah. If nothing else, the snake's the devil, for sure.
0: Yeah. All snakes are satanic. That's what they taught me in school. Uh, Yes. Yeah. Um, So even though we never get to see the devil, we are treated to a number of equally strange delights, I would say. Um, For sure. Yeah. I'd say, uh, featuring several excellently shot and acted sex scenes, Damiano's follow-up to Deep Throat Delivers. That's (laughs) that's an official quote for me.
1: Is that going to be the tagline on the next DVD release?
0: Uh, I sure hope so no one else is putting it out there but um you know I like you kind of said it's it's well made for, um, the cinematography is great uh, very dreamy very creative sex scenes and writing on Damiano's part uh, the story made sense to me right uh, it kind of came through and wrapped everything up very nicely with a neat little kind of like ironic bow. Right. But, uh, I think Rod Serling would have appreciated that. It would have got him hard all the way to the tip.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking when you said it was wrapped up in an ironic bow, yeah. it made me think of the twilight zone yeah. immediately. So you saying Rod Serling.
0: Yeah. yeah we're, we're on the same page. Yeah. Um, but I think the film, you know, did a good job depicting Georgina Spelvin kind of going from this uh, sex-starved spinster to this sort of unfettered love goddess by the end of the film. Um, I think they, he, you know, just in the number of things that she ends up doing, just kind of in like the variety... Because it's not all just, you know, penetrative sex. There's the fruit, there's the snake, there's, uh... What else is there? A weird there's
1: rubber a, butt plug.
0: It's a weird rubber butt plug. There's an intimacy. scene. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of, you really buy it. So, by the time she's damned to hell, you really, you think, she really got her money's worth. And so did we. <laughs> um, And in addition, with, uh... You know, everything, like all the legal challenges the film had and suffered from and everything. I think the film ultimately ends up being of historical interest as well as of a uh, prurient interest. So I'd say check it out.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I'd, uh, <laughs> I definitely agree with a lot of what you said there. Well, in fact, all of what you said there. I'd add to that that I appreciate it as, uh, I appreciate the pace of the film. Yeah. Uh, because as I brought up a couple times already, it's only 66, 67 yeah. minutes what long.
0: We about like 90 minutes uncut so far. Uh,
1: yeah, we're, we're probably past the, we're oh. past the 90 minute mark. Excellent. If, uh, might be, or yeah, once we cut it, it might be a little shorter than that right now. You could right put now, the but, movie
0: on and we'd still be talking for about half an hour after it right? ended.
1: <laughs> but, uh, I think that that, that speaks a lot to how well made it is because, we went through a bunch of stuff, all these depraved sex acts. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of that happened in 67 minutes or so. And that's in addition to this framework for the film that mm-hmm. talks about mortality, um, sin, yeah. uh, and you know, getting uh, get going too far in different directions. Yeah. So it, it's there's a lot going on to it. It's super well-paced because of the length of it without having to sacrifice anything. Like there's I wouldn't say that any of the scenes needed to be longer. I don't think that there was like missing narrative there. No. I, all... It it all tied together really well and you get in and out in a little over an hour.
0: Yeah. And more than that, it changed our lives and introduced me and boss to the the blessings of the teacher
1: yes uh so from now on every morning i'm going to wake up and pray to the teacher
0: yeah i stand up and facing west i point my morning wood west and hail the teacher
1: yes and then i bend over and push something into my ass yes uh and
0: uh you're ready for the day get ready
1: for the day that's right follow us on social media We'll tell you all about the teacher and his teachings. Uh, (laughs) You can help us uh, spread the word of the teacher. Back on track here. The Devil and Miss Jones is a great film. Uh, If you're going to watch one classic porn film, I don't know if The Devil and Miss Jones is the one, but it certainly should be in the discussion. So, uh, any last words on the Devil and Miss Jones? No. All right. So, uh, again, follow us on social media at Raincoat Report on Instagram and Twitter. RaincoatReport at gmail.com for any uh, emails you want to send us. Uh, any questions, comments, concerns. Uh, I won't promise you that we'll reply to you. But if you send us something cool, we might read it on the air or... We might get upset if you make fun of us because we are very fragile. That's true. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, you know, subscribe to our podcast. Give us good ratings and reviews. Spread the word. Tell all of your sleazy friends about us. We need to get as many people listening to us as possible. And we need to be able to spread the word of the teacher as far and vast as possible.
0: For more information about the teacher, please write the teacher at the school hard knocks. <laughs> no one's gonna answer.
1: No, I I think that your email client will probably tell you that it's not a valid address and let you send to it.
0: Yeah, well yeah.
1: You need to add a com at the end or something.
0: Or an address or it really anything.
1: Yeah, I mean you could always send snail mail to the teacher.
0: He probably won't receive it because he's on the astral plane.
1: Yeah, he is not. uh, He doesn't have a mailing address. He is
0: not of this world.
1: Really, are any of us of this world?
0: Certainly not the teacher.
1: Certainly not the teacher. Probably most of us, though. Yes. But uh, we like to think of ourselves as the teacher's vessel on the Earth. And we hope to spread the teachings to all of you.
0: Hail the teacher.
1: Hail the teacher. So, with that in mind, uh, we want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you for helping us keep 42nd Street alive, and don't forget your raincoat.